Hello and Fantastic. welcome to Paper Tuesdays with Michael Dwyer and Mark Halpin. Michael, who's our guest today? It's Cahal Mitchell O'Sullivan. He's the man from Leash and he's a podcaster and a journal. How are you, Cahal? I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Considered. Yeah, on this Sunday morning. Yes. Cahal yeah. is struggling with a hangover this morning, so we're going to try to be as gentle as we can. Mm, we'll ease our way into That's this. usually kind of the way things go with me. <laughs> <laughs> Cahal, um, Growing up in Leash, you're your first Leash guest. Um, what is the biggest thing about growing up in Leash? It has to be EP, is it? Yes. Um, or I suppose when I was growing up, the ploughing was there for three years in a row. So it was very much either the ploughing was or like getting to go to electric picnic as an under 12 on your parents ticket. So like it was kind of either sneak in or get brought in, um, which uh, very much them two things kind of had like huge synonymous at leash over the years yeah so what's what like is it kind of an annual thing like we have it here in goria market house festival like is this where like describe the crack of an ep <laughs> as a local oh well like growing up you always wanted to get in like my parents didn't go generally so like i'd get in on my friend's dad's ticket because like his dad his mom could bring in two of their kids and then they bring in two of us then like as a friend as well. So like you're always just looking for an opportunity to go regardless. But um, like I've been going since I was like 14 um, and people think that's mental, like 23 now it feels like ancient. But um, yeah, like EP weekend, you start on a Thursday. It actually starts the week before, like, and we'll go like we do a big EP shop. Like you go to Tes- big Tesco and like you have to get all the beer in and like it's just it's built up even in school, like growing up in school on in sixth year, you're like leaving school early on the Friday just to go to electric picnic. Like it's something people don't really understand when you go to college, but they're like, oh, sure, it's only a festival. Like, and I'm like, no, it's it's bigger than that when it comes to like leash people. It's like a religion almost. <laughs> so yeah. kids go to EP. I yeah, well, like we get in under under twelve because, and like even when we were sixteen, we were getting in under twelve. Like, so <laughs> that's it, wild. That is. I thought I thought it was too young for EP when I was like eighteen. I've never been because I'm boring, but I've always, you know, I've actually never had the desire to go. <laughs> really? No, just like EP. Oh no, why? I went to C sessions one year and I hated it. Did you? Oh uh, yeah, it was just oh, not yeah, for me at all. Sand, like it's different. Like Hendrix campsite is like where I'd like my ashes to be spread. Like it's that <laughs> like it's just like it's hard to explain until you're there. But like when there's like a big like I don't know if you've been to a festival, but you know when the crowd starts cheering at the campsite and it like starts moving across the whole campsite. Like there's nothing like that at Electric Picnic and a warm can of cider. Like oh it just <laughs> Yeah. But just the thought of waking up in a tent. Just rattles me well that's also the thing we have the pleasure of being able to be like five minutes away Mm. so we come home and we (gasps) sleep in our bed and we shower and we get like we don't we camp but we don't camp um my mom says it's the one year one weekend of the year where she'll get up at like six o'clock in the morning and come out and get us because we want to shower and we want to like go back at it again at like 12 o'clock the next day so it's that's the pleasure of being so close that's the dream. Wow, that is the dream. Yeah, Janie, that's class. 
Because that is always said about you know the posh camping. I'm sure posh camping would be class, all right. Glamping, uh, my glamping. Yeah, yes, that's sorry. That's what the kids call it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the kids call. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carl, wait. You've always wanted to do a podcast, and it must have been great to have uh, started series one of it. Tell us what is one to one. Yeah, I, I look. I've always won. I've always had a love, I suppose, for audio and kind of storytelling in a way. That's kind of the idea behind me being a journalist. I've always loved telling people something they don't already know. Hmm. So um, that's kind of the link. And I've always known I wanted to be a journalist. But um, podcast interning, I interned in News Talk Radio, and I do a lot of work for them now. Um, but yeah, I just like I was I work part time. I used to work part time in Iceland, the frozen food chain. Um, but I was we were doing a night shift one night and it's just like I was like trying to think of an idea for podcast. And at the same time I was working and we were doing a night shift and it was just like me and this English girl from she's from Manchester, outside Manchester, and she's salt theatre. I love her to bits. But she's, we were just trying to get through the night shift, really. And she was like, what's one song you'd never, like, stop listening to? It? What's one takeaway you'd always... And I was like, there's something in that, like, one, one, like... And then I was like, but if there was one person and it was one-on-one um, and it was all about ones, you could... There's something in that. So I kind of fielded it to a few friends that, are, like, journals that I know... And they're like, no, no, absolutely. Like seven things, random questions, different. Each guest gets seven different questions, um, but they're all kind of on one. Like, so like, what's one hangover cure or what's one um, pint you'll always drink when you go out regardless? Um, everything seems to be coming around drinking with me. But <laughs> like, even it comes to like one regret in your life, one mistake you've made. And that's kind of the deeper side of things, but it also is a bit of fun. But yeah. That's where one-on-one came from. And it's actually, it's done really well um, from someone just starting out on their own. And I was really happy with the launch and the season one. And hopefully season two is coming very soon. But yeah, I've, I think it's a different type of thing. It's a different podcast, um, but people seem to like it. I hope so anyway. It's a very personal uh, pod. It's a, it's a very enjoyable one to listen to. And um you're very good at extracting experiences because I especially enjoyed the, like the level five lockdown one where you had like just a chain of voice notes and you could tell, you know, uh, the different personalities that were um, exchanging what was important to them. Um, you, you, I'm just going to take a little left turn and say like you, um, you were saying how you um, enjoy radio for sharing people's experiences and you've done a good bit of research in the past and you, you told us beforehand that uh, you've researched into what it's like for um, gay people in the GAA and their experience. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I suppose I'm part of a huge GAA family and always have been. Dad's played for Leash. Like, not it seems like a small thing, but it is a huge thing to play for your county. And represent them and like we were a huge GA family growing up played hurling football the whole lot I stopped playing hurling around 12 because I couldn't really see the ball but <laughs> um, like I even spoke to first and second years in my old school the other day about growing up gay and like being part of a huge sporting family and it's something I suppose that only came to light with Donald O'Cusack 
um, in the round, I think it was 2006, when his autobiography, Come What May, came out. And for me, being like an, a 10-year-old who knew they were gay at the, that at such a young age, like I knew what it was and I knew I was, I knew I was different. But seeing Donald O'Cusack come out, it was like a light switch. It was like, okay, if he can do it, anyone can. Mm. Um, so I was like, there's, there is, there's other people out there, like statistically, there is gay GA players. I know there is like, I've, I don't know them personally. I don't know their names, but I, there is people who are playing inter-county hurling at a senior level and they are part of the LGBTQ community. And when I started looking into it for my thesis for the University of Limerick, I wanted, I suppose, extract stories that people had never heard before, like I said. And I suppose when I got into it, there was a lot kind of things were darker than I expected. People had been kind of bullied out of clubs and come out in clubs and stopped playing because they didn't feel comfortable, I suppose. And I think of the GAA as such a welcoming place, like it's home for a lot of people and a lot of communities. It's the center of communities. But I spoke to maybe 13, 14 lads and in the end, I got two actual interviews out of it because nobody wanted to talk to me because they were just like, if I talk to him, not that I'm a loud mouth and I am respectful of everything when it comes to journalism, but the fear of it getting out from these like <clears throat> GA players or being like on any form of record, it's, I suppose it puts fear of God in them, but to come out in a GA club it's like a huge thing to do but it shouldn't matter in a way um in a way it shouldn't matter but it doesn't and i think people are getting better maybe this is too close to going but what was it like when you came out in your ga club what what was it like the the people that like mark and i are very familiar with the ga club setting you know it's it's a it's an extension of community it's an extension of home it's an extension of family and you know the people that you bump into on a regular basis are very very close to you so like what was it um when when you came out, was was there always a sense of uh, acceptance, or what? How would you describe that? So, like, I I think people people always say this. They knew before I could tell them, and that was like just because my personality. But I told my parents in two thousand nineteen, so that's or two thousand eighteen. Sorry, three years ago, and that's when I suppose it was fully out there in the knowledge of my family, my cousins everyone knew publicly but yeah like I remember going into like I'm I, I haven't played football in about two years now three years maybe um just with college and Limerick and up and down but I I remember going into a, I think it was a junior football match into a dressing room and it was post coming out and I was like, geez, I wonder would they prefer if, like, these were the things going through my head. Like, I was like, I wonder would they prefer if I changed, like, before I got in there? Or, like, like they're the things that go through your head and they don't care. Like, nobody cares. And, like, my GA club is so, so welcoming when it comes to things like that. Um, we raised the pride flag this year at our pitch. Like, I've, I started, me and um, a colleague of mine, Jennifer Fitzpatrick, she's the PRO for the club, started the newsletter and the chairperson, Teddy Fenley. We all we started a newsletter for the club and it was called the Town Tattler. 
release a newsletter every month. And then for June, we did a Pride edition. And I wrote a, a long-form article for it about, it was called Pride of the Club. And it just told my story, I suppose, about the fear that I had with going into that dressing room and being like, what are they going to think? Are they going to want to change in front of me? Are they going to like be uncomfortable? And they never were. And I suppose that's the joy I have being part of such a welcoming club. But there are other lads who have had different experiences. But like one lad I spoke to for my thesis, he was like, oh, he's saying he's looking at my, who's Mickey's bigger than the others. And like, he tell him to get out and all this. Um, and he was like, and it's never the good luck looking lad saying it. Um, which is true in a way but um, yeah my club were fantastic and they always have been mm-hmm. I think it was probably because they knew before I could tell them that I was actually gay just because my probably Beyonce dancing skills at a dinner dance was second to none <laughs> Is there a fear you, you describe it very personally there and it's very honest in a way in how you tell that story but is it a fear because it's just so so close to your your sense of self your identity how you perceive yourself and the fact that you, you may you may feel that do you have you may feel um pressure to change or pressure to conform uh with something that is really your own sense of self yeah like i never felt pressure to be straight or to be different or to be like a sporty lad but like naturally enough you're I'm human at the end of the day I am always going to consider what people are thinking of me um so when it came to sport like I was never I was never like the best footballer growing up and then it got to minor and I was actually being started on a team a minor football team for Portlaoise a huge club and I was like this is like huge I was I was always a forward growing like under 12 and then I decided I just was put in the backs one time and I was actually a good back um but when I got like started being like actually considered for a team, I was like, is the actual effect of coming out going to affect me being started on the team? That's the type of things that go through your head as well. Um, but no, I never felt pressure to be anyone but myself, I suppose. Um, but like even I tell the story of going down to University of Limerick for the first time in my full Portlaoise GA like half sip the whole lot I thought it was so cool mm-hmm. um, and because I was like I need to act like that like lad going in now living with eight people um, I just I don't want to give off the wrong vibe first and I wasn't going to tell them my sexuality straight away either um, but Morgan Flynn my good friend and housemate that I met on the first day tells the story of because I suppose I came out six weeks later, maybe to him. And he was like, Carl, when you walked in that first day, I took my phone out beside you and I text Shane, my best friend, and said, the housemate's gay. <laughs> and he knew before I could even tell him. But that's just me. Like, I think people probably get the vibe of me and that's absolutely fine. I don't give a fuck really. But I just thought I was so cool going down in my half sip. And I was like, he won't know. He won't know a thing. But he did. But isn't it great how the identity? I don't. How would I say it? It's just great how a GA club. Like, like I know you, your presence there and your involvement in GA club has led to that. But it's great the GA club took an initiative to raise a pride flag just as a source of um, support and solidarity. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's actually there was a lot of GA clubs that did it this year. I think one or two did it last year, and it was kind of like speaking to David Goff, the referee. Yeah. Um, I spoke to him there recently. I well, it was around May or March, maybe. But he said like one or two did it kind of last year in lockdown, and it was kind of a half-arsed attempt. Um, but this year, no, we definitely took an initiative to be like, look, it's Pride Month. It's being raised for the whole month of June. And Sonny and Liam, like the groundsmen up in the pitch, when we handed them the Pride flag <laughs> on the evening of like June, starting for Pride Month, they were like, absolutely, 100%. And they raised it. And the next day it was up. And I was like, like my mom, my dad driving by, like the GA club's behind my house. It's about like five, two minute drive. Um, driving by it they're like Carl did that like mm. and like I suppose in a way they're proud like pride they were just like oh, look, look, look what like you can do when you put your mind to something mm. but yeah like the G- Portlaoise GA is fantastic and I hope in a way that any young lad or girl who is part of our club feels I suppose comfortable enough to be open with their sexuality now there isn't there is players and they probably that's their own decision to obviously keep their sexuality to themselves but like I hope that might have started something in their head even just being like maybe soon but yeah um they're great but at least GA are just an abs- and actually like you look to Dublin Miguel Erica the first gay GA team um like they're training now at the moment, a lads team and a girls team. And like they're I think they're entering the league and like championship next year. Like so it's huge. And like there isn't a thing of like you walk into a GA club and there's a sign that says no, no homos. Like, but it's nice that they can have that space for themselves as well. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. In your own personal experience, Cottle, like you said, you came out when you were 20, but you kind of knew yourself and you reckon everyone else knew when you were younger. Obviously, thankfully, every the world is a much more accepting place at the minute for LGBTQ community. But did you still find it hard yourself to come out officially to your parents? Like, was there still that fear there? Like, it obviously still took a, a tremendous amount of courage to be able to actually say it to your family. Yeah, it, I say it to this day, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. like absolutely I told my twin he he hates the way I told him to this day sorry I'm a twin in case you didn't know <laughs> but um yeah I like I came out to all the lads I we have a huge group of lads at home and we finished our leaving cert and we were at a barbecue and I was like look lads I have something to tell you I was like I'm gay or whatever and I the way I phrased it I was like I like lads and they were like Sully we knew and I was like okay fair <laughs> um, but then Ronan arrived late or something and I hadn't told him and we were getting a taxi back here to our house to get jeans from the barbecue to go back to town I told him in the taxi and we were pissed drunk like but he hates the way I told him because I just put it all on him really fast I was like band-aid gone um, and he went to town that night and I just like avoided him totally. Um, and he just had to deal with all this, like people coming up being like, Oh, you heard the news. Like, and he was like, shit. Um, told my sister kind of that same time. And she was 
A1 because she's a girl. But it took me another year to come to terms to telling my parents. Um, and it is the hardest thing I've ever done, actually saying them words to my mom. I put a time on it. I was like, Ronan, I'm doing it on this date. At this, I was like, if I don't do it after then, I'll never do it. So I put a time limit on it. It was the Thursday before Electra Picnic, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were getting ready to go off the next day, like for three days, never see my mom barring it, car hung over again. Um, and I was sitting on my bed and I was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And Ronan was like, it's half 11 at night, like go to bed, you can do it again. And I was like, no, I've put the time limit on it now. I have to do it. And Ronan turned the corner. He left my room and he was like, started singing fucking what's called Bob Marley. He was like, every little thing going. And like, in a way, that was the best thing he could have ever done. Because I was like, everything is going to be all right. Mom came down. She was going to bed and she poked by my room and she said, why are you still awake? Like, you're up at seven in the morning to go off, like, queuing. And I was like, come in, I have something to tell you. And she was like, okay, what's wrong? And she sat down in my bed. And naturally enough, I broke down in tears. Um, I was like, look, I'm gay. And naturally enough, she cried as well. Um, but she was like, it's okay. Like, she's like, it's fine. She's like, that I can deal with. You could be a lot of a lot worse things. Um, but yeah, I suppose it took a lot for her in a way because I suppose she probably felt like I couldn't be honest with her. She thought I was like afraid to tell her. Um, but I was like, I'm not telling dad. I was like, you can do that. Thanks. See you later. Electric picnic. Um, no, I told me and my dad have a great relationship. And we actually, in my head, we probably, we've always had a great relationship, but we probably weren't as close like as Ronan. Ronan was the hurler. Dad was the hurler. Like, um, and they both like love like soccer, watching sport. Um, but me and my dad always kind of bonded over food and that's such a random thing to bond over. But um, like in college, I'd send him pictures of like my breakfast that I cooked for myself and he'd send one back of his. <laughs> um, and he'd always make, he'd always make me breakfast. Even like I got a, I was running down here to get onto this and he had like a plate of sausages and rashers waiting for me. He was like, go, go, go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we bond over that quite a bit. And I woke up the morning after telling mom and she had told Mick, she calls him dad. She had told him and I walked into the kitchen. He shook my hand. He hugged me and he told me he was proud of me. And he was like, and there's your breakfast. And it was waiting for me. And like, that was the best thing ever. Um, And I went off to electric picnic that weekend. And I don't, you say you've been to sea sessions, but like, Electric picnic, 4G comes in and out, or 3G as it was probably then. You get internet when you can, like you're like looking all around for signal. Um, and anytime I get signal, my mom has nine sisters and one brother. And dad has a big enough family as well. Like we have a really, really wide extended family. And texts were just flooding in of like unbelievable support from cousins, uncles, aunts, and yeah, I was sitting in a tent at one stage with girls and we were fairly well on, like it was probably three o'clock in the day and we were very, very like merry, I'll say. And 
we all broke down reading the texts. We all started crying because they were just so, so like supportive. And I still have them. I still look at them because they're just, I suppose, something nice to have from that period of time. Uh, but yeah, my family still slag me to this day, like not about being gay, but they're always like, if I wear check pants to a family do, they're like, of course he's wearing them. Like they, it's it's very lighthearted and I give as good as I get. I give it straight back. Um, we're, we're very close as a whole family, like even extended family. Um, my cousin Tara, I put up a post for, I was doing the talk with second years um, last week and I put the post up on Facebook or whatever, or the school shared it. And Tara, my eldest cousin on my dad's side, she commented and she was like, even if you are wearing those check trousers where you can see your Mickey in them. <laughs> Thank you, Tara. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's my family are great and yeah. they always have been. But coming out to my parents, hardest thing I've ever done, but I look back on it with great memories. Colin, it's very easy to listen to you um, tell the very personal account. And I think if anyone were listening and like were in your shoes, they'd, they'd probably pick up advice from, you know, even the simple things of uh, setting a timeline of, OK, it has to happen by I have to do it by a certain time. And just that level of support and that um, how uh, your personal experience, I, um, I just think it's. It, it, like I, I'm sure you notice that like it's it's been so positive for you and yet it, it isn't always that way for other people oh yeah like I've been told I have the gift of a gab gift of the gab that's why I'm probably in radio and where I can talk for the rest of my life but yeah I think certain people have bad experiences and friends of mine have had bad experiences with family members and like it's hard for me to hear things like that because I'm like, I've had such a positive experience, but it always worked out kind of like, okay, at the start, it was probably hard for whatever parent, whoever can't really understand it. Um, I never told my granddad um, because I suppose it was a thing we all decided on. We are like, look, he is he's a very religious man he's a huge man of faith and like my cousin on that side is openly gay and he had come out a long time before me like he's 31 is he 31 maybe maybe i'm wrong on that age but um he yeah look he had come out and granddad was totally accepting of him but i didn't want his view to change of me or for him to have uh, a memory of me that wasn't the relationship we had. Um, he sadly passed away there in October, gone. And in a way, I do regret not telling him, but also I'm glad he he doesn't have a memory of not, of just, I suppose, not having the memory of me that he did when I was growing up and when I had such a great relationship with him and not that it would have changed anything, but um, I can understand where people are coming from when they say they've had a bad reaction or someone, I suppose, isn't as accepting as you might think they would be, but it does always work out. And that, 
like that I said that the other day in the talk I was like it's always going to be okay and now you'll meet 90% of people and they will accept you 10% won't but that's the same with race ethnicity your background there you will meet some people in life who who don't accept you and I suppose you just have to kind of get on with that and accept the fact that not everyone in life will accept you but 90% of them will and I think I'd take 90 over 10 to be honest also, <laughs> that 10% why would you want someone to accept you yeah. who's not going to accept you do you know you don't want those kind of people in your life anyway so fuck them absolutely yes mm. very well said um, just sorry just oh yeah so this is on the personal level and I know conversations like this and conversations in the school kind of open up the door for this sort of conversation and this sort of acceptance on a broader level of society. Do you think it's that just chain by chain um, reaction of people realizing, hang on, being gay isn't a big deal. It's just uh, someone being themselves. Um, like, is that, like, how do you see, is there is there things that we could be doing on a day-to-day basis that could gently make um, our world a more accepting place? Like, I do, I suppose, think, like, the likes of, like, even, like, for people who are genderqueer, non-binary, transgender, like, I suppose, even things like when I see people with, like, she, her in their bio or they, them, I'm like, that's probably like helping someone else be able to put that in their Instagram or Twitter bio and be like even such a little thing. Um, I suppose like that, I said that in the talk the other day, nobody does care. And like I've said to you, there is a certain amount that probably do. But even me doing that talk the other day, I, I, I put up the picture being like, I suppose probably being a little bit proud of myself like that I had done the talk. Um, but the reaction I got across Instagram was very overwhelming in a way from a lot of my gay friends. They were like, how is a school that has Christian brothers in their name doing this, doing something like this? They're like, it's just otherworldly to me. Like They're like, the fact that you had, number one, the balls to get up and do it. But number two, that the teachers were like, let's get a person in to talk about their experience coming out. Like something like that. And then friends of mine who are teachers are trained to be teachers. They're like, oh, I'd love to get you into my school. And I'm like, I'm only one person. There's definitely someone from that school who could do that talk. And But I suppose even me doing something like that or even the pride flag at the pitch, it's such little things that we can do to, I suppose, just make someone feel a little bit more welcome mm. um, because being so loud about it it's not always the best thing either like oh yeah I love the <laughs> I love the gays I said that on my story the other day I was like being gay is the best thing about me it is I love it I think it's so funny <laughs> but um, I suppose yeah like that an ally is what you are if you support people from the LGBTQ community and if you can be anything, be an ally. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Lovely. Um, Carl, 
Uh, one-on-one, right? Uh, so I thought we'd try our own one-on-one thing. So I suppose one podcast that you could not do without, I suppose it would be one-on-one, is it, Carl? Pep Jesus. It would have to be, um, I'm going to give a shout-out to Bree Brown and Flutal Jane. Oh, Badwagon. You're very kind. Um, I suppose it's something that I found by chance, I think, during the lockdown. I, was, I wasn't I was a day one listener, um, but it was something I found during the lockdown and it got me through a lot of days where you're just kind of like, oh, do I have to stay at home or in my 2K or in my 5K for another day? Um, and like I live on a road that's called the block. <laughs> so it sounds very American, but it's the block road. And the block. our 5K is block. So like you walk the block. That's what people do. They walk the block um, or run the block. Um, and bandwagons got me through days where I was just like walking the block every day. Um, but yeah, I love the girls. Breed was on my own podcast um, mm. and we had a great time. Mm. And like I was, I just, I have great time for them. They're absolutely like, People say it all the time. It's like listening to your best friends talk and you feel like you're in the conversation. And it's such a funny idea for a podcast or concept for a podcast because it's what everyone's talking about. Like when Taylor Swift released a new album, that's what they do the episode on. And everyone's like, oh my God, I have so much like information that I want to talk about as well about Taylor. And they do all that. And yeah, they're mental. They're absolutely cracked, but I love them. Hmm. Lovely. That's it. It's a very personal uh, uh, tribute to them. Lovely. Um. Oh yeah. So my jazz. Oh, one radio station that you could not do about it. I suppose I couldn't do that news talk because it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> but listening wise, today FM has always been the one kind of their floor above us. Um. Yeah. And. It's what I suppose I grew up listening to as well. Uh, waking up Dean Dempsey and like that. Maid Ronan even announced she was leaving the other day. Mm. Um, she's leaving in December. And I met her in the lift on Friday. And I've never met Maid Ronan, um, but I'm a huge fan. And I met her in the lift and I was like, ah, you're leaving. And she was like, I know, I'm sorry. And I was like, I'm just so upset at home on Friday because I was listening to you. And I was like, how could she do this to me? <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose they balance that thing of crack and kind of, I suppose, the serious topics and music all in one. And that's good radio in my head. Yeah. So growing up, Carl, I know you say that you wanted to uh, bring out the personal experience, but like, what what is it? Um, what is it about? Ra- like, were you taken by a really strong radio presenter uh, when you were younger? Or what, what was it that, that piqued your interest? Um, I kind of always like, it's funny. I always loved watching this morning on ITV. And I always loved what Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby had. And that, that was when I was like 11 or 10. And I was like, what is that called? Like when you are a television presenter, like how do you study presenting in college? How do you do that? Um, and that was like my, like my thing in my head. Um, but I suppose then when I figured out that I suppose from there you have to start somewhere in like reporting or like in some way like that I was like 
I do like, I was like, I enjoy English and like, it's probably my strongest point. Maths was never my strongest point. Um, and I looked up kind of courses in journalism or whatever it was when I was like 12. I must have been 12, yeah, in sixth class. And I was like, I found LMO39, which is the course code for the University of Limerick for journalism and media. And I was like, I'm going to do that course. And lo and behold, I did do that course and I am now graduated from it. But I found my sixth class, sixth class yearbook the other day. Hmm. And it was like Carlos Sullivan and like all our whole class in it. But it was like, what will you be when you're older? And mine's a journalist. So sure. look where we are now. Incredible. <laughs> um, I, I'm always kind of, I suppose, that type of person that wings things and believes that if I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it. I know I will. I found my sixth, you know, my first year journal the other day, my, your, your school journal, like, hmm. and in the back of it, I just wrote down like first year handwriting, uh, brutal actually. I was very shocked to find, um, but I wrote on it, when I'm in sixth year, I will be Mehel. I'll explain Mehel in a minute. It was like, I will be part of the Mehel team and I'll have gone to Zambia. Our school goes to Zambia every two years um, on an immersion project. We teach in schools and go to clinics and stuff like that. 2015, I went to Zambia. And in 2017, I was on the Mehel team. So um, Mehel is you kind of like help the first years when you're in sixth year. You kind of bring them in, guide them through the year. Um, so yeah, I'm a journalist. I've been in Zambia and I was on the Mehel team. Oh, Jesus. That is incredible. Law of attraction or what? Sorry, Colin. I'm going to kneel down for a second. My back hurts. Uh, all I had on mine was uh, penises that girl coming through <laughs> on the back of it. <laughs> they were just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that's mad. Uh, very similar in Gory with Gambia. The, that's what TY's going. We didn't go. We didn't appeal to us going to. Uh, well, it appealed to me, but I didn't appeal to the teachers picking oh. people who went. <laughs> And that was a very hard thing, actually, as well. Ronan, my twin, applied at the time to go and he didn't get it. And it was a very hard thing for me to be picked and him not be picked. And I suppose it worked out in the end because he went to Liverpool and he won like two grand on a bet or something or a grand on a bet. So, Right. Everything works out. It sure does. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's one food since you are such a foodie what's one food that you could not do without could be a dish could be anything ingredient oh like it's hard beat Chinese um, but yeah I'm my mom is a fantastic cook she's brilliant um, I think her roast chicken dinner is just like my go-to. It's my thing that I will always like dream of when I haven't like been home in a while, something like that. So Jacinta's cooking is definitely something that I can't live without. Lovely. Mark, that's a food. fact. Yeah, and our roast dinners as well. I think I had yeah. a, a buffalo burger yesterday from oh, Logan Bear, Macklemore, 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 and proper 12 onion yolks and all oh, of that. It, it was very nice. That sounds kind And your man serving me said, I'm disappointed we sell this because it's Conor McGregor's whiskey. Oh, it's <laughs> Conor McGregor. What's proper 12 is Conor McGregor? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. And that's on an onion ring. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, turmeric porridge. 
I had turmeric porridge this morning. I read, uh, we had a, a healthy woman on last week. Her name is Teresa Keane. Yeah, yeah. She recommended uh, this book called Mood Food by uh, B is her surname. I'm going to post it on the Insta story because it's a class recipe book. I was flicking through it and she said that turmeric porridge, you put two teaspoons of turmeric, the spice in your uh, porridge. And it was class. I normally associate turmeric with uh, Indian curries, but yeah, I yeah. like the porridge. No. I don't like porridge, so no for me. That's all right, Carl. Like, it must seem like a sacri- sacrilege. So. Apparently, turmeric helps your hair <laughs> stop falling out. Oh, so apparently there's a thing called DHT. So it's a form of testosterone, and it blocks that. Te- that's the testosterone makes your hair gray and fall out. Oh, but that brings it back, so it does lower to your testosterone in a way, but it also stops your hair falling out. So you have to pick one of the two. Right. I think I'd rather be bald now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. Um, what's one person you could not do without, Carl? Oh, very personal. Um, I think I shared a womb with him. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say Ronan. Um, yeah, it's a funny thing. Like you actually, you were kind of feeling things to me beforehand. And it was like, when it was, what's one thing I didn't know enough to ask. And I was going to say, what's it when, but, um, yeah, it's Sorry, a funny thing. Like it's there, different, I suppose. When you mentioned beforehand the question, what's the one thing I didn't know enough to ask about? Oh yeah, I was going. I was going to say, what's it like being a twin? Because, yeah. Um, Is there an element? I suppose you. It's it's different. No, not at all. Um, and you wouldn't put us together. I suppose really, like we're polar, not polar opposites, but. Like everyone's like, oh, is he gay too? And I'm like, no, <laughs> he's not. Um, but we did like it's a different bond, I think, than a brother, than like just a brother. And um, because you share a bedroom growing up, you're the exact same age, you have the exact same friend group, you know everything there is to know about one another. Um, it was very like, I suppose, like that. I even mentioned coming out, it was hard to do to him, hard to come out to Ronan as well. Because you're his best friend. He is my best friend. Like, he's the same age as me. He's in my friend group. I've spent, like, the longest time we've been apart is six weeks in our whole life. And, like, that was when I went to, I moved to Budapest at the start of January 2020 for Erasmus. But I moved home because of COVID. Um, But, like, he came over after four weeks. So, actually, it was only four weeks. I haven't seen him for, like, a month. Um, and he came over and like when he was leaving, I could just like, you know, when you feel like a lump in your throat and like tears run to your eyes and you're like trying to hold it back and you're like, I'll see you soon. And it's just like, Ronan, I, I couldn't like, I couldn't live without my family. But one person I just like, I turned to him for advice. I turned to him when I have a funny video of something like of something so stupid or like we send each other such shit on our phone but yeah, he's he's a good one. Do you think you're more in sync with things? I train twins and they move at the same time sometimes. Wow. It's very it's very creepy. But I don't know if that's just chance or if that's like actually <laughs> something going on there. Yeah. Do you feel pain um, when he feels pain? No, um, no. probably not. We're very we're very different in a way, like like he's 
crazy about Liverpool. They're like his his joy in his life at the moment. Um, and like he would never like he's he's probably very much into music, likes music, but like we have different tastes in a lot of things, but yet we're so close. Like, but I think that's what, what makes us tick kind of that we're not the same person. Like he's an accountant. I'm a journalist. We're yeah, are you identical twins? No. Um I wonder I wonder how how easily I can get a picture here. I wonder would it show up? Um no, he what's called he's we're very much not identical, but um <laughs> I wonder if that Okay. Oh, you can tell your brothers you're not identical. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, sim- he's very much like and similar hair. He's like dad. I'm like mom. So okay. that's that's the way. Who was born first? Yeah. Me by one minute. You're older. Um. Yeah, I mom had this. We're getting very technical now, but she had a C-section, <laughs> um, because Ronan's leg was around my neck or something. And if yeah. mom was to push, I may have died. But um, he was probably trying to kill me before I got out of the womb. <laughs> but, Pre- yeah. Prenatal jujitsu. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was just like a minute. So it was like one, two, gone. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you won, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's one person you could do, couldn't do without, Mark? Uh uh would have said my mom, but probably when does this come out? Oh, um sorry. Tuesday week. Tuesday week, that's okay. Uh probably Breed now because she's two people to me. Call this is news. You haven't heard yet, Breed's having a baby. Hopefully it's mine. No way. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, way. We had, we, had tw- <laughs> we had our 12 week scan on Monday. So we're gonna be we're gonna be parents. <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit. I'm actually going uh, to lose my shit. That's why she wasn't drinking at the live shows. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Lula J is a liar. She's a liar. She's a liar. (laughs) I was like, Fanula, why isn't... Like, me and Fanula were in the George absolutely slaying to WAP. And I was like, where is Brie? And she was like, she's on antibiotics. And I was like, okay, fair. (laughs) Liar, yeah, so there you go. That's the first time I said on the podcast. Oh my well. god, congratulations! Yeah. Thanks very I'm much. So happy. That's made <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're, we're now it's great news. Oh my god, am I the first fan to know? I wonder, am I the first fan? You are, yeah. you are, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, actually, I'm feeling a bit emotional. I might cry. <laughs> I'm gonna go over now and oh my god. <laughs> Great to capture that live response. That's uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, not many people get to do that. that is... And when are you telling people? Uh, it's coming out on Instagram and all within the next week, I'd say. Probably before this podcast comes out. That's why I didn't know if I should say it or not. Thank but uh, yeah, all our family know and all stuff now. Well, you can cut it if it, if it, if it isn't. Cut it out completely. Yeah. Do save this audio. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might even... Um, might have a, something on the Patreon in due course, uh, capturing the, the experience of mother and father. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I can't, I'm still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit warm. I'm like, I need to take off my top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, it'd have to be the girlfriend nation as well. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, it's something that, uh, 
I don't know, maybe your partners are the same, Cal, but uh, anyway, my girlfriend, she uh, she knows what I'm thinking before I'm saying it. That's the sort of uh, relation that we have, so, yeah. Um, she accepts your moustache as well now. Yes, she does. It took a bit of time. Probably but, can't yeah. see it. The, no, no, no. <laughs> we're doing November. Well, Michael's doing November. Mark does it with ease. I'm, I'm still, I don't know. It's very faint, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't grow it in a month of Sundays, so yeah. like, you're fine. <laughs> Um, we ended this here. Mark, have you anything, any one on one you'd like to offer? Uh, no, no, I haven't got any plan now for one on one. No, no, no. Um, we were doing something on the show the other day one hangover cure. Sorry, just because okay. I'm mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. So, what is your um, hangover cure? It's too Mac- It's either okay if, if McDonald's out of the question, if going down to McDonald's out of the question, it's a <laughs> cold can of full fat coke. I call it full fat coke, but it's probably full sugar. But um, that's just what me and my friends call it. Like we were in Newbridge yesterday shopping and we were like, oh, I'm going to get a full fat coke. And they're like, yeah, me too. Um, but a cold can of that, which I had this morning because the shop is beside our house. Um, or if I'm going to McDonald's, I probably would get food maybe. I don't know. But two, two large cokes because one cures you and then you enjoy one. So it's generally Coca-Cola that is my cure yeah, very much a sort of <laughs> yeah we did it on the show on friday on news talk so what's yours mine's probably a bit of a cop-out but it's probably a chicken roll chicken fillet really? roll and a bottle of lucasade and then a sauna as well just sweat it all out without having to exercise i think is good which is something i do now that the saunas are back open yeah happy days. michael what's your hangover cure <laughs> celibacy or what's it called um pioneering <laughs> I'm going to the pioneering. A good shag. Sorry. A good shag. A good shag. <laughs> He's not wrong. A, a good cold shower is I going to go for a set of safer bed. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that too. I like a cold shower. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, you like a cold shower? Yeah. Cold showers are good after a hangover. Right. They are, and they in are. general, you like them. Oh, that's great. Mm. We're doing cold showers the last what? What are we in? Nearly Eleven months. Yeah, oh my gosh, nearly a year now. That's incredible. Um, so I, I suppose we do this thing called the parish of the week, and the parish of the week this week is um the the parish of Larchville and Liz Duggan down in Waterford. They're doing a plant the parish initiative where they're planting shared green areas, and it's just great, Mark. There was actually a photo of. Uh, a green area and the plants in the ground and a rake of people in high-vis jackets. And that, for me, was chef's kiss. That was, that's that's peak anyway. That is your wet dream, isn't oh, it? Oh, people in high-vis jackets having a good time. And grass. Boom. Grass, oh, <laughs> yes. Happy days. <laughs> now, <laughs> we also have something from our, our chief. Uh, do you know Flash Flood? Uh, you, you know all the pop gurus, the likes of Bree Brown, and uh, surely you've come across this Flash Flood fellow. No, not yet. <laughs> no, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Here, let me find him here now. This is our Flash Flood, call. I'm gone. When did I arrive? All they've left me with is my bloody P45. No more sideline general. No more. Hold and roll. But at least I'll be the crossest bloke down the door. And for me, who'll they replace? 
Have you a man with a bit of grace? Or will he ever make the same? I think I better leave right now. Before it dawns on the players. I think I better leave right now. <laughs> Here come the knives and the razors. Can't just see it now. On the face of the players. I think I better leave right now. Thank you, James, for whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was James Sun announcing his departure from Castletown's um, ladies footballers. So, yeah. Was it? Yes. All oh, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I, I thought he meant Ole. Didn't he leave today? Oh, Ole. Yeah. No, this is a, a, from a, a yes. little while ago. I also have another one. Have we? Yes. Let's go for part oh. two from Flash. Castletown's your club, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Castletown is where dad's from in Leash. It's oh, that's yes. like so we have a Castletown like 15 minutes away, and that's where that's who dad hurled for growing up. Oh or well, even into his adult years. One well. to another. Um, and he, he famously transferred um to Port Leash. And the year he transferred to play with Port Leash, Castletown bet Port Leash in the championship final. Oh, no, and Castletown went on to do five in a row. Oh, right. um, oh no! But Dad, Dad did transfer back after two years of losing with Port Leash, so he went back and won three with them. But his brothers were on the team that bet him, um, oh, so that's no, just little Castletown info from Leash. A lot of drama there. And is there a castle in your castle town? No, I don't. No, no not that I know have, of anyway. We don't we have don't a castle either. or a town or a shop. <laughs> we have a road and a church. <laughs> and a good pub. Well, people say, why is Port Leash called Port Leash? There's not a port in it. Like, we don't. Oh, yeah. we, we're the only county that doesn't touch a county that doesn't touch the sea. Yeah. So we're really landlocked. Uh, but it actually comes from Fort Leash, so there was a fort, and oh. that's where it comes from. Uh, one last question yeah. before we, we we wrap up, Carl. Um, do you say Port Leash or Port Leisha? Port Leash. All right, I, I prefer Port Leash, and there's more, people, there's more oomph in it. Yeah, so, some people do say Port Leash. A lot of a lot of journalists on RT would say it because probably just because they were double reporting um, for like. Oscar as well, so oh, they right. often use that. 
I see. Connell, we wish you every success. I've learned a lot from that podcast. Mark, any closing thoughts? Yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Connell. It's a, a unique subject. I'm on, I think, needs to be covered more. Mm. And it's definitely good, I think, if because we are kind of GA podcast and as Breed has labelled us a straight white male podcast. So it's probably mm. good to get these kind of opinions on it and share it with our kind of audience. Yeah, as another perspective as well in International Men's Month or Men's Health Month or whatever it is going on for November and all that. So thank you, Carl. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm leaving with a lot of vibration in my head about babies. And um, <laughs> <laughs> you probably more yeah, than I do, Carl. <laughs> um, oh, well, look, I, I don't think I've ever seen a vagina. So, look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lovely quote to end, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a great note to end on. But, yeah, look, a ple- pleasure is mine. And um, anytime. Thanks, Carl. Thanks a million. Best of luck in the future.